Well, here we are again. I think it was pretty neat, uh, our time with Sherry. It's interesting because she's in real estate. And so it was kind of neat just for me listening to, you know, the things she was talking about that fits in what we're doing. Although the maybe the vertical isn't necessarily like something you think of, right? You're not like, oh, someone's making a difference in real estate. I think what really struck me about Sherry is, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for a story that starts out in adversity and ends up the way it did for her. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm such a sucker for stories like that. And I just love watching people turn their lives around. I think it's so incredible. So that's one thing that really struck me about Sherry. And another thing is just her passion for humankind. Yeah. I, I think that that'll shine through as you guys listen. And uh, she had a lot of great little nuggets to share with us. Yeah, she did. She did. Well, guys, um, enjoy episode 12 with Sherry St. Marie and do us the kind favor of leaving a review, a comment, uh, a share with a friend who needs a boost in their day, whatever it may be. But we just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. And as always, go out and make a difference. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Make a Difference podcast. I am Farah, along with my co-host, Darius. (laughs) And we have Sherry St. Marie with us today. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I love the opportunity to contribute. Awesome. I think that nobody can tell your story as well as you can. So I'm not even going to attempt to begin. I'm just going to throw it over to you and let you start us off. I do the same thing when I'm in your seat. When I'm the broadcaster, I prefer tell your story, right? It's easier. (laughs) So um, I will tell you that I'm an example of somebody who was born in a mobile home and moved up to a public housing project, was raised in poverty and failed first grade. I am somebody who unfortunately was challenged with domestic violence. Um, I can let you know that different points of life were incredibly challenging and um, all of those things. That's story A. And then I'll also tell you story B. I am somebody who was a um, school-wide speaker in front of parents and everybody by 12. I was a state speaker by the age of 17. I was a national speaker by the age of 18. Um, I have been on television and broadcasts and things since I was five. I've been a six-figure income earner at different times of my life. Uh, Master's level adult educator, real estate broker, mom of three college kids, I can tell you the story either way because they're both true and all true and all together. Let's go, Sherry. Well, <laughs> I think uh, I think really one thing that will be most relevant, this being the Make a Difference podcast, where we highlight people who are making a difference, irrespective of where. Tell us about where you are pouring your energies and your heart out into that are, those arenas, because there's many of them. We know that from talking to you. And if they didn't listen to the intro, obviously there's many. But tell us about how you're making a difference uh, as you go throughout your days. Yeah. So, I mean, I have been that way since I was five, I'm sure. My bigger deal right now, which has been always been me, it's just like severely ramped up right now, which is awesome. My big, huge make a difference love and everything is really for humanity. And honestly, all that comes from all my life experiences a lot of those tough ones, you know, of like, I can connect with humanity, like 
a lot of other people cannot because I've been in places, right? Um, and know what it feels like. And so I wouldn't want anybody to ever experience those things. I w- was a teacher. I am a mother. All those things make me want to um, love and encourage the underdog and make a difference in a day. I also see how amazing it can be with zero dollars to make a difference. So a lot of mine and why I'm on social media is actually the whole, it's amazing the impact you can make. I could care less about likes and I really care about one-on-one engagement and the difference we can make in people's lives and the fact that everybody can really do that. It's this amazing little ripples of love all over is really what I'm doing on the backside of my why. And I used to intensely do that with my three kids. They are off into their lives. And I now made a choice uh, four years ago to put it out to the world. And that's what I'll do the rest of my time here on earth. So give us a little bit more insight into what that actually looks like from a day-to-day standpoint. You speak about social media. Tell us a little bit about your content creation, the education, and even tell us a little bit about real estate, because that's an arena in which you're operating in. Yeah, definitely. So for me, um, a lot of it has to do with, I realize that whatever content I'm putting out, and I do it in a lot of different arenas and levels because I call it the playground of life. This is a concept I wish we'd all catch on to, meaning that we can learn from a three-year-old. We can learn from a hundred-year-old. I can learn from people with no experience or lots of experience or business, and I've always been that way. So all of my social media content has to do with, I have to be able to let it appeal to a wide range and variety. That's why you see it move so much. First piece is inspiration. Second is Mm -hmm. to maybe teach something, but not with the usual style. I'm known as a street smart teacher. So that's my little short videos and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm street smart. Street smart people think means I just learned it out on the street. It doesn't necessarily. Today, hello, in our modern world, it means we can all learn from each other, whether that's a formal degree, that's um, us having a conversation. One of my broadcasts is Real Conversations with Sherry St. Marie on YouTube. And so a lot of mine is about sharing content, sharing information that can make a difference in your life um, and how I might be able to do that. And I use those realms in speaking and broadcasting and social media. I also use the same things in real estate because really what I'm doing, if you force me down to two things, it is personal development of Mm -hmm. humans. Hello. And it is real estate, you know? And so I've been in real estate almost uh, 17 and a half years now and started as a residential broker in Middleton, Wisconsin with just myself. And that's all I did for the whole raising of my children and was able to spend the most amazing time with them, specialized in new construction as a woman. I love that. I like the non-traditional sometimes. And then I'm really traditional sometimes. And now a year ago, a little over a year ago, I went out to a global real estate company. And so now I'm expanding and going into things like a snowbird, but really it's becoming international market to Florida. I have 40,000 agents all over the world that I can help refer to if somebody is needing a good agent in India, Australia, Mexico, the United States. And all those things are opening up these new different ways to look at real estate. Um, One of the things I'm doing tomorrow is a live class about the ownership of real estate could be incredibly different than what we've ever experienced. And like why somebody's not seeing this opportunity right now about the way society is changing and making it easier to not put so much money down on a house and not physically have to own it, live there the whole time, bigger than Airbnb. And so I'm looking at my agent stage and experience 
How are the different ways you can help with your subject matter, your life experience, wanting to make a difference for people that they could take the concept and use it in their life? That's a lot of what I'm doing in a day. I think one thing that's a hard word some people get upset about is the word victim. I have never seen myself as a victim, no matter what has happened to me. And I could legally and uh, resume-wise create quite a list. I have always refused to, to acknowledge that's not who I am because that further disempowers me. It further shames me. And I didn't do the thing. I was the target. That's a different, mm-hmm. better word. I was a target of the thing. A lot of what I'm doing with my social media education and professional business is to help people see. I don't want to get, I don't, I'll, there's a lot of unfair things happening, right? In the world, a mm-hmm. ton. But I, but I want to take a look at what can I do to make a difference? I can't fix it all. And I also don't want to put myself in a spot where I'm believing there's nothing I can do because you have these containers or labels put on you because of whatever. Oh, watch me. And I'll watch you guys when we collaborate and put things together. That's yeah. a lot of what I'm doing. I want to go a little bit deeper on that in, yeah. in some of the, the nuances in the sense of in real estate, which is a highly relational Mm-hmm. type of experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe tell us a little bit about your values or maybe how you operate within certain systems that are ultimately creating your ability to make a difference in that space. Okay. So day one, I was different. So I came out way back in 2003 as a woman, obviously real estate broker in a town that was all male owned franchises. So first of all, it was, um, excuse me, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. And people were trying to shut me down. People wouldn't show my listings. It was a very catty, nasty, aggressive situation, not collaborative at all. And I was like, oh, forget it. Yep, this little mom with three kids, five and under, is going to learn how to do this. Um, At the time, with a very controversial purple sign in a world that's blue real estate, you know, (laughs) to look like males or brown and orange. And mine was like, there's no reason why I can't just do it the way I would like to do it, which is better for my client, right? And then I got into new construction, which a lot of women do not. I love it. It's awesome. It's an amazing process. It's a little more challenging to do new construction. A lot of people want to as a client, but it is good for them to have somebody who really is skilled at it rather than somebody who's just writing a contract and I'll see you at closing. In my opinion, that's not acceptable. It's not why we got hired. I'm severely value-based. I have always been massive about fair housing because it is critically important. The only thing you can discriminate about in housing is price. And so I am at 17 and a half years of all of the really strong ethics about what you're supposed to be doing in this career area. Now moving into making a difference, I'm using all of the pieces in a global marketplace where a lot of them, I can still be physical and do the great job for the client, which is the most important thing. But we also have like all these amazing differences in terms of, we get a lot of people who are incredibly busy and they don't want to or can't fly in to see some different property they'd like to. Well, guess what? We can connect all of these amazing services in virtual tours, live opportunities, live business collaboration talks, and things like that, that make an amazing difference. This thing I'm thinking about doing maybe in Miami, and I know it will work in Fort Myers. I think it'll work in different places of the country. You can do a lot of our collaborations right here in a Zoom situation with putting four to six people together, let's say, Mm -hmm. that want this flexible ownership opportunity that create income for them, give a much lower down payment 
give them something that they can go enjoy if they want to instance a time go to a warmer climate or whatever and also a way to hopefully build equity So all of that comes down to it's for the client, right? And how ownership has become expensive for a lot of people, a difficult entry. Then you add the pieces of sometimes other people, older or younger, don't want to be fully owning a property anymore, but they don't necessarily just want to be a renter. And that's where I'm really focusing on how do you make a difference in an industry that's really very old school, severely old school. And all of it has to do with what's right for the client, So for me, it's always been whatever it takes. I've been in dumpsters for 18 years of if my client needs support or whatever, um, I work for, you know, a builder in that situation or the customer, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get a deal done. But it is always based on the code of ethics first. We have a huge realtor code of ethics. Tons of people do not follow it. It is not okay. Everybody who knows my name knows I am number one huge about it. I don't want to do business with you if you don't get that our code of ethics is something we operate on every single day. And so I want to give people a different experience with a realtor. Realtor and lawyers are the bad jokes, right? I'm not one of them. I am one who is making a difference for people. So when it comes to that that code of ethics, right, that is like your foundation, that's your undergirding, map that out a bit. So, and the reason why I'm asking is because when I'm thinking about the audience listening, yeah, wanting them to take away, hey, I'm an individual who, and I I do want to make a difference. I want to have an impact. What are those things? What are those pillars, those values? Uh, Name them, if you don't mind. Sure. Maybe they're terms people don't even think about anymore, right? And so- Yeah. Yeah. So we have two things, actually. So one of them are the ethical code of ethics, which we were at 26 items. So I don't know if I can catch every one of them. Um, However, it just changed. It just got updated. Um, a little bit more due to fair housing, which was good and important, right? Having to do with redlining and things like that that are not acceptable, never okay. Mm-hmm. And then we also have our licensing legal requirements that go together with those ethics in terms of some of the simple basic ones that you would expect are that we have a responsibility to be ethical in all of our dealings. And so we are not, we are in a place where our job is to serve our client and to serve the public and the customer. And a lot of them have to do with proper good disclosure about any kind of transaction you will be having. So in Wisconsin, as an example, we have buyer agency, which means if somebody is wanting to buy a property, I can work for the seller even though I may not ever really encounter the seller at all. The listing agent might be with them. And you, let's say, Darius, are wanting to buy a property and and you're feeling like, I don't really understand the benefits of a buyer agency. I want to just have you work for the seller. People don't even understand this part of ethics, okay? If If you are not wanting to sign a buyer agency where I temporarily represent you and your best interests with you, you're still the decision maker, then I, by default in the state of Wisconsin, work for the seller Although all that technically means is that I have to have their best interest in mind and they're the ones that are paying me. If you were in a buyer agency, mm-hmm. I have this legal obligation ethically to represent your best interest as best I can and all those sort of things. Most of the time, the seller's still making the payment because they've offered through our multiple list service that they will pay it. It's just yeah. you now have your own best representation. So ethics would be things like, me not wanting to explain that to you. We have a legal and a code of ethics responsibility to explain that to you. We have, a, we have an ethical responsibility to cooperate with other agents 
because it might be in your best interest. If I don't have a good reputation with that agent that we need to work for, that just hurt you. That's not okay. And you might not even know that, that, oh, I don't get along with him or her and I, we have a bad situation on the last six deals. That's not in your best interest. So I ethically have a responsibility to cooperate well, be a professional so that I can get your offer accepted, right? Because it shouldn't affect you um, if I have a situation that's not good with that other agent on your behalf. So a lot of it has to do with being a professional, which is not a surprise. Here's another example. <laughs> like, here's another example. We technically are not supposed to tell you which lender you have to use. You are allowed to pick your own lender. And yet so many people in the industry, they get relationships with lenders, which some of that's to your benefit, right? This is an ethical comment. I might have a relationship where there's lenders who do a better job. You, my client, would like to ask me, who should I use? I have to answer great and prudent. Gosh, you know, these people are really awesome. I work with them. But rather than me telling you just the one person that I work great with, I should at a minimum give you two or three so that you can decide for yourself what do you who do you want and how do you feel about that those are some examples of ethics of me not just getting a deal with this lender that we were for back and forth and whatever that may not be in your best interest that's an example of ethics i yeah. get it for sure yeah yeah for sure I want to switch gears a little bit. Absolutely. Okay with you guys. Yes. <laughs> so one thing, and our listeners don't know this, but prior to us um, jumping on here, we were talking about giving back. That's something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, part of my role within our organization is to spearhead all of our giving programs and our mm -hmm. philanthropic arms, so to say. And that's been ingrained in me in the, since I was a child. And so I'm very passionate about that. And I know that that's something you're passionate about. So I um, would love to kind of jump into how you, you're very successful. We know that yeah. you've, you've made quite a, a business for yourself, which is incredible and amazing. How do you give back? What does that look like for you? And why is it important? It is absolutely massive. And so for me, um, a lot of people would definitely describe me as an overgiver, <laughs> meaning like, I'll give you everything I have. Cause I don't really, I don't need a whole lot and it's okay if I like, I'm good. And so I actually am the, again, huge giver, huge giver of time, energy, whatever I can do. I, um, lots of different concrete things I do is I teach. Right. And so I, have certain amount of time that I keep for teaching, whether that's real estate agents. So I do, I do teach for EXP. I do that in the world. So lots of people can get that information. I do that on a platform that can be reshared and used so that I'm using my resources of teaching better. I do certain number of professional speaking gratis in a year depending on what the cause and situation is. So I'm using my talents in order to um, give or share or that kind of thing. I also am a forte for days. So domestic abuse intervention services. A forte is somebody who uses their professional skills for an organization or a give. And so unfortunately, um, I have 48 years of experience uh, personally with domestic abuse. And so I use my talents of understanding those things, wanting hugely to help society change their perception of what it is, because they are very confused and wrong about it a lot of times, you know, with the mindset of, why didn't she just leave? Or that can't happen to him. A girl can't abuse. A, oh, yes, they can. Mothers do, you know, all this stuff. Mm. Um, so I speak in that industry. 
Um, a lot of the podcasts that I do, I share, you know, more in deep content about that. Um, I also speak on their survivor panel as well. And that's to help other people that um, have been in that situation. I do right now, we even in fact have one specific person that I am intently working with for the next year to help her get out of the situation, get her economics together, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then we're tiny givers too. So every single day I'm huge. One of the places I give the most people don't think about is at the grocery store. So for me, when I walk into the grocery store, my kids all know since they were teeny, oh, mom's going to be a while in the store because I, somebody will come up to me and, and need to talk a minute. And I'm gracious about that, whether there's somebody young or old or whatever is the situation of just kindness and listening and the bigger issue of, I see you and you matter. I'm not physically saying that, right? But we understand that, you know? Um, a lot of the other givebacks are just, we have unfortunately, you know, quite a bit of um, homeless in our community that people don't realize in Madison, Wisconsin. And some of it is just um, with our kids at a fundraiser buying, um, we have a huge brat fest that happens here that's just massive that raises tons of money for the community. And we buy a huge bulk and just walk State Street and hand them out to the people that are homeless there because they don't get out to try our local event, right? And so sometimes it's those simple things um, that a lot of people don't think about. I just have a very giving heart about humanity in whatever it can be. And I think a lot of people get confused and think it needs to be money or it needs to be hours. Those are the two things they think. The ripple effect of a little gesture or a little thought can make such a difference. Sometimes even just saying to a person, I know you can do this because... I'm here and that I had that situation. It really comes down to simple random acts of kindness. I mean, yeah, it doesn't it have to be a lot. You can, you know, we, we recently actually spoke to someone and his whole organization is based around making people smile and the huge impact. That's Michael Ray. Is it Michael yeah. Ray? Michael Ray is, my, oh, listen, Michael Ray and I are like this. He is my, he is my <laughs> best happy, have, happy guy. So Michael I Ray and I, yeah, so he and I are really, really tight. We actually work in a business collaborations together. Awesome. Um, the joke is everybody's like, you know, you two need to be together because you're like sunshine and love and he's this way. And I'm like, we are together. We just do business and stuff. <laughs> he's awesome. And what he's he doing, awesome. awesome. And his daughter, Maddie's wonderful. Yes, and he's yeah. doing awesome things. But, you know, it's something that he said to us that I just couldn't agree more with is that, yeah. you know, a simple random act of kindness can literally change the trajectory of somebody's life. 100%. Literally. Absolutely. Um, and, and I agree with you that giving back does not have to mean giving your money or even giving your time. So, yeah, I mean, here's here's the situation. Unfortunately, I was in um, Florida two weeks ago and there was a woman that I could tell because of my life experience and everything that she was trying to commit suicide in the ocean. Mm. And I was watching the body language and I could see what happened. I wasn't by myself. There was other people there. And um, I can't not get involved. Sure. When you see that happening, and, and, and again, I know that because of life experiences, and I have, as a high school teacher, I had students. Um, as a parent, I have experienced other teenagers, other adults, all of that, that have communicated with me. And actually, the first time that happened, I was in middle school to save a friend who cut her jugular vein. I mean, unbelievable in the woods oh. and people don't realize these things, but this, this woman, I could just, I had this intuition was watching her body language and what she was doing. And she luckily finally came back out and was walking up. Well, everybody I'm with was not going to get involved because it's messy. Right. And it's like, Oh gosh, is she, is she physically impaired? Is she, has she been drinking? Is there some drugs? Is like, I, I don't want to do it. She forgot her shoes and her keys when she was coming out of the ocean so I had an opportunity to pick them up, bring them to her and, and look her right in the eyes. Like we don't look people in the eyes anymore. That's a huge thing I have. 
And I just looked her right in the eyes and I just said, you know, are you okay? Most people are too afraid to say that, right? And the second question I asked her was, I could tell by her eyes, right? Like it's, we can tell when we look in a human's soul, right? And I just said, were you just trying to commit suicide in the ocean? And she just looked at me and she said, yes. And I said, I just want you to know I see you and you matter. That was the third thing I said to her. And then we spent an hour and a half and she's, she's okay. You know, like everybody else wasn't going to get involved. There's an example of give, right? You know, give even when it's messy and big, give when it's small. And give when it's hard. Give when it's hard was that, right? And so for me, it's like, everybody's like, oh my gosh, how could you do that? And I go, believe me, this isn't about me or ego. That's the ninth person I've walked out of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's actually a question of how can I not do that? Anybody who knows me knows I could not not get involved. There's no way. There's no way. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, on a lighter note. Yeah. Because <laughs> life is good. Hello. Yeah, life is good. Life is good. Yeah. Um, Sherry, what is your favorite quote? Oh, <laughs> I got it. I say this every single time, obviously, because it's my favorite. The profoundness of this is just, you are a once in all of history event. When you think about that, there's not a single soul. I don't care who you are. You will never happen again on this earth. You and your talents and your love and your heart and your energy and what you have to contribute, whether it is soft, quiet volume or it is loud or whatever, if we don't get from you your love and talent and interaction and all that stuff, we all miss the opportunity. That's amazingly profound. And so for me, it fires me up where I go, I'm going to get it all out before I'm done. Like I want to go out, not preserve, right? Of like, I used every single ounce of whatever I've got. Other people, when I say that, they have said to me, that feels so overwhelming to me. And I'm like, gosh, I just don't see it like that. I see it like you are the amazing Every one of you, like this, this you are absolutely, you are a once in all of history event that is so amazing to go, yeah, let's contribute. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, let's fix this. Yeah, let's, you know, make a difference. The, make a difference that quote fits beautifully. That's legit. Yeah. <laughs> Fires me up. You can hear me. I get like, let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to continue with Fair right off of that because I want to move into a yeah. couple of questions that sure. we, we we ask everyone we get the pleasure to connect with. And it'll it'll move the needle, so to speak, okay. kind of one, a couple different directions. All right. But Sherry, what are you afraid of? That is, is oh, you got me there, sir. <laughs> Um, what am I afraid of? I would I would say that I don't get my talents and pieces to a place that I've been able to share them with enough people that I got out everything I had the opportunity to give while I had my history here, right? Well, in response to that, I wouldn't hold that as a fear because it honestly might be impossible to know. Yeah. And as you say you that, reach. that's wise. The other thing I will tell you is that I'm also certain that if I pass away today, I did everything I could, right. you know? So I got both of those. I got the, like, the joke in January 2020 was like, oh my gosh, I'm 52. I'm going to have to get off social media by 60 at least. So I got like, you know, eight years of jam. That's what got me cranked up this last year of like, I got to jam a little faster because I got like, you know, um, and then I just went to 53. So I'm like, okay, I got seven years to like really jam on this. <laughs> and at the same time, like if I go today, everybody who knows me knows I gave it all every day. That's yeah. That's okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> Best and worst advice you've ever received. Ooh, you got some good questions. You're getting me. Most people don't get me about that. You got, you've got me twice now. 
I think worst advice, and I feel bad because it's <laughs> for who I guess. Just don't say the name. Just don't say who. Uh, well, you're going to know who. It, well, okay. All right. I was raised with the concept because socially, I'll say it this way. At the time was you're born in your lot in life and there's nothing you can do to change it. Back in the day, that's what you were taught. Like, you know what? Like I was born in the projects, right? And you're just going to be there forever because that's just how it is. There's nothing you can do to change it. That's the worst advice ever. People used to believe it a lot. Thank gosh we know, oh, you can change it. People who have just been born in this knowing that we can change things, you don't know how great that is. Like that was really bad advice that you are just messed over for life where you happen to be born. Hmm. You know, that was worst advice. The best advice I think is that collaboration makes absolutely anything possible. We used to be a very competitive only, like you have to lose because I want to win. But collaborate, if you can collaborate with people, anything's possible. Let's go. That's brilliant advice for right now. People don't even get how huge that is. Like I, my whole big deal is the new currency is collaboration. Yeah, and sure. that is making all for kinds sure. of things happen. It's opening opportunities to make a difference for people on lots of subject matters. We would be in this, I got to make you realize and think and whatever. No, I don't. Do you want to collaborate and do something? Let's try. Let's see what we can do. Instead of this, we don't see eye to eye or the subject or the anger. We got anger, you know, and some of it we have to walk through and and burn out, right? But another choice is, how about if we collaborate and be heart-centered about it? When we're heart-centered, I can understand you are a human and you are a human and you are a human. And most humans want the same thing. They want to be safe and loved and self-expressed and make a difference, use their life for something. We are terribly different when we get over all the containers and subjects and things we pretend life and humans are about. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got two more for you. Okay. What's the greatest lesson you've learned being a parent? Oh my gosh, I'm a huge parent. Like it's everything I wanted to be was to be a mom. You know, in this world, if I did nothing else, I wanted to be a mom. Um, And so I think the greatest lesson I learned was that my children have taught me as much as I have taught them. There's no question about it, whether they were little or their age now or whatever. So much of parenting is us in the old days thinking we're the authoritarian. And really, um, it is the monk mindset a little bit of everybody's your teacher. Everybody's a teacher. My children have taught me amazing things, and I love and respect them tremendously for it the entire ride. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So I have one more question and um, I want it to very purposefully be a very short answer. Okay. In less than five to 10 words. Okay. What drives you? What's your why? My why is humanity. And my why is making this world and place and experience amazing for any humans. If all 7 billion of us would get on that idea, we'd change the world in an hour. Mm. We're going to stay in that same thread. And this is the last thing we have for you. Okay. Imagine you're talking to 200,000 people, right? You have roughly a minute or so to just share something with them. Okay. Take us home with a message from Sherry St. Marie to the listeners of the Make a Difference podcast. I think the greatest thing I would tell you is you absolutely do not ever know the real impact you have in life by contributing and being yourself. The greatest thing you can do is get up in the morning and realize every single day we have a fresh chance. 
I don't care how bad last night was. Every single morning, if you're breathing, you got a fresh opportunity. I think that the biggest regret people have is not fully expressing themselves and being themselves, whatever that is. Don't have that regret. Learn your voice. Be yourself take these opportunities. We couldn't be at a better time in history. That's absolutely amazing. I'm going to share one thing with you at the end here. People are talking about this is a revolution. Oh, no, it's not. It's evolution. So the t-shirt I have for tomorrow on my live is it's a shirt that says revolution on it. I'm crossing off the R. We all need to flip and evolve. It's all about evolution. Every one of us. I don't care if you were more evolved to start with, you know, which I've worked myself to a place. I got a ton of evolving I can do, right? In business and kindness and understanding and subject matter and all of that, we are at a gorgeous opportunity to evolve. Every single one of us, the opportunities that are there when we are evolving are unbelievable. So my ending comment is, I'm sorry for the circumstances, but I'm thrilled for the opportunities to evolve. That's my 2020 ending comment. (laughs) Mm. Thank you, Sherry, for coming on. Gosh, my pleasure. I'm Darius on behalf of Farah and our wonderful guest, Sherry St. Marie. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the opportunity. Mm -hmm.